0: The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts.
1: Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, a Jive Bunny style mega mix of a weekend as we valiantly attempt to cover the FA Cup quarterfinals, Premier League fixtures, the Championship and impending England fixtures against Europe's 23rd and 33rd most powerful teams. We talk about the FA Cup semis, the Champions League quarters and a big week for Real Madrid as Zinedine Zidane returns in a bid to keep winning the Champions League every season forever. Plus, Magic Messi and skulls leaving Oldham and the best atmosphere in football ever. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility where I'm joined by AFC Telegraph loyalist. It's Mina Rizuki. How are you, Mina? Oh,
0: hello. I'm good, thanks. And you? Yeah,
1: very well indeed. A good weekend?
0: Uh, it was all right. Good. Yeah, nothing at, special.
1: As ever, out of ten.
0: Milan derby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. but um, out of ten, I'd say a solid six.
1: A six, mm-hmm. JJ Ball. Can you beat that? Welcome to AFC Telegraph.
2: Yeah, I
0: won the Champions
2: League for the second year in a row with Aberdeen on People Manager last night. And I was at one thirty in the morning. Actually, I was very pleased <laughs> with that. And I had a tweet that got lots of likes. That doesn't happen to me on Twitter. Oh wow! Congratulations.
0: Which one is that one? Is it the one I like? It is oh. the
2: one. Yeah. Agreed. What was it? It was a a joke combining Jorginho and Pokemon. It's quite well structured. I thought it was okay. But no one retweeted. They don't retweet me. They just like me. Or they don't like me, I think, it's the problem.
0: <laughs> I retweeted you.
1: I wouldn't have got it. Matt, how are you?
3: Yeah, good. Is now a good time to tell you I'm not here next week.
1: I mean, it's not that interesting as podcast uh, chat I'll goes. I'll forget but, later, uh, so I'm not here next week. Okay, thank so you. I'm glad, I'm glad done. we've recorded <laughs> No, I'm For in Podgaritsa.
3: I'm in Podgorica, with England.
2: Mm. Hmm.
1: Back in podcast, Erika. Let's start <laughs> ah. with uh, the FA Cup quarterfinals. Wolves beat Manchester United. Wolves very much deserved this win. I thought. Can anyone explain to me why United didn't turn up for this game?
2: I wonder whether the uh, the little bit of "there's a new king in town" burst a wee bit after the. They seemed to. Man United put so much into that PSG win, and there was so much out, off the ball stuff going on. Be like, we're gonna do this. It seems that everything else that doesn't match that now is not quite there. And this performance was very much like a Josie Mourinho one, where they seemed a bit tired and they weren't fully in belief that they were going to power them. Also, Wolves set off the entire time and United wanted to counter-attack them. And you can't really counterattack a team that wants to counter-attack you. They're just sort of staring at each other across the, across the water.
1: Good diagram in the Telegraph on Monday, looking at Pogba's passing and no passes successfully into the box. Did they do anything special to limit his threat?
2: Well, United are, they rely almost entirely on their left side at the moment and they keep going to the left. So all you do is you double up, make sure you get numbers over to to block that. Uh, Luke Shaw has been very good this season, but again, when he can't get forward, then they lose a bit of width there. And then everyone from the right starts coming over and it really affects it. They needed a right winger, I think, quite clearly. But I wouldn't say it's anything to worry too much about Holly Solskjaer's Man United career just yet. I think this is one of those kind of games that they were going to lose at some point. I
3: think he got his team selection wrong. He brought Lingard and Martial were in, weren't they? And both of them looked off the pace. I mean, Lingard didn't look fit at all. Just
2: back from injury, yeah.
3: Yeah, I wondered why he put him in. It might have been better to, to go with Big Rom up top with Rashford or something. Um, but why the team selection didn't work. I don't yeah, he's, know. he's injured as
2: well.
0: Lukaku? Yeah. Mm.
2: Ah, That's why he didn't. That know. explains it. So he's got real big problems. Like, what do you do? Do you play young kids in a FA Cup game? You, you, you can do it, but you don't want to keep playing them all the time and you want to play your biggest players in those games it's really tough if you had them all fit you probably done a lot better
3: it was really weird with lingard because i'd been um at the england squad announcement on wednesday when gareth southgate said i wanted to pit lingard but was told there's absolutely no way he'll be fit to play against czech republic which is this coming friday and yet he's playing for man united almost a week earlier and looked way off it he it looked like he wasn't fit so um but yeah, I found the first half really boring, actually. The second half was fantastic. I found the f- When you say about two counter-attacking teams just looking at each other, that's just how the first half seemed to play it out. Was, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, yeah. Really and game. then Wolves really took it up a level second half. Their front two are fantastic, aren't they?
1: Why are Wolves so successful? Because there's been plenty of good sides coming up from the Championship before, plenty of sides that have spent a lot of money coming up from the Championship before, but they just look a level above all of those. What's been different They've for them? They've spent
3: their money, though, on players a level above like any look at fulham any club can come up and spend a lot of money and on paper it can look good but when you actually kind of scratch beneath the surface often these these players that 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 promoted clubs can bring in they're having to take quite a big gamble on them and stuff but wolves i mean jao mutinio there's no gamble there i've spoken before about five million pounds for him is just an absolute steal um but they're spending it on different kinds of players, I think. But also, what, what's impressive is the players that have survived, that brought them up, the, the Conor Codies of this world and the Doherty's of this world have done absolutely brilliantly. I mean, they, they've they really stepped up a level. But I just love the fact they're bringing a front two back into sort of fashion a little bit. Their front two, Jimenez and, and Jota, are really, really good. and it, It's nice for that club because I remember as a kid, it was always uh, Steve Bull and Andy Mutch. They were a club with a history of a famous strike partnership, and I like the fact they've got one now.
2: I went through their team from the championship last year to compare to what they have now, and I think what Matt said is also relevant because the defenders are exactly the same as last season so you have Bolly, Cody and Bennett I know Cody played in midfield a lot and on the wing sometimes uh, as a fullback last season but Ruben Neves was a midfielder centre last season as well the big change is that Barry Douglas is not now the left wing back it's uh, Johnny Castro who has a cartoon hero's name <laughs> and Doherty's still on the right but then you have replaced the guy I don't know how you pronounce his name Saiz the Swiss guy I think so um is he Swiss? I'm going to have to make that up. But they, they placed Saïs in the midfield with Moutinho. That's an instant, massive upgrade. Then they've got Jota, who's survived from last season. Then they've up, improved from Bonatini and Afobe and brought in Jimenez and, well, they played Jota up top, don't they, with, next to um, Helder Costa or something like that. But they, they've they kept the mentality from the first the, the team they won stuff with in the Championship, they've kept that together, the core of it, and added real quality, which is different to what other teams have done, where they try to buy players to replace the ones they already had. And you can't do it, you've got to go with what you have. I and mean, the defence. It proves you can't just buy a single defender and improve your defence. It's all about the unit, how the team defends. And because you've got those three, you keep the mentality all there and then you add bits of quality elsewhere.
0: I was going to say, when you said, what's the difference between them and any other team? And I was going to say, you know, Santo. And that's because he's somebody who understands, uh, a lot of people just think buying and, and, and like investing in your squad is the best way forward. But he's one of those people who's like, I'm only going to buy if I'm going to add quality to my team. And he's got that sort of Pochettino sense where he's happy with a really small side he knows that he can control them a little bit better he can create harmony in the dressing room he takes the time to talk to each player before deciding whether or not to bring him, whether or not to put him within this squad. If there's going to be a balance on a, just on a human level just in the dressing room, he doesn't want any problems and he wants balance on a tactical level too. So despite the fact that they have a small squad, it feels very much like a family and he's insistent when every time everyone asks him aren't you going to add depth? Also because they do play exhaustive tactics the type of tactics that it wouldn't serve them to go forward in, in many competitions because I think they'll be really worn out but where they are playing the way that they are playing um, and, uh, and you know once a week or twice a week maximum then they can manage it with a small team because it's their adrenaline it's the fact that they love playing together it's and he has complete control over that so he can get them to keep going above and beyond what they are producing now and I genuinely think he's making the difference.
1: Yeah it could be one of those teams that suffer a little- little bit if they do have to go into the Europa League next year Man City also into the FA Cup semi-finals uh, started a strong side uh, but had to bring in the big guns uh, relying on Aguero in the end what was your view on the penalty and, and the winning goal should either have been allowed to happen
2: I think the penalty was very soft I can see why it is a penalty though I feel like referees often it's very tinfoil hat but I think like big teams tend to get those decisions because when you're drawing with Swansea it doesn't feel right it's like well, how's Man City drawing with Swansea this makes no sense what is this universe we are in and then Sterling goes down and says well that makes sense that seems more like reality so you'd favour with him I don't think it's um, I don't think it's conscious bias. I think it's subconscious and that's maybe what happens a lot of the time to big teams and also Aguero was offside. Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
3: this whole VAR thing, I know VAR is boring to talk about, sorry, but this whole VAR thing with the FA Cup is a nonsense, isn't it?
1: It's really strange it wasn't at Swansea given the line is it can only be at Premier League grounds. Like, Swansea is a very modern ground there yeah. in the Premier League. I was, I was at, it's so the, arbitrary. I was
3: at the Den yesterday. can't see reason why it can't be at the Den either. Um, it's just, you can't have a competition where there's different rules in the same competition it's absolutely. it's absolutely mental they've got to sort this out for next season and it's difficult to know how they do because it's all right saying well from the fourth or the fifth round we'll definitely have VAR in but if you have a certain United or someone comes from nowhere can I don't know how it works to set up VAR can you even set up VAR at that type of ground so They've got to work something out, though, because you've got to have the same rules in the competition. Because you're in a, a disadvantage.
0: Mental. They think it is consistency. They're saying, you know, we're going to be consistent by saying it's only in Premier League stadiums, but you're being inconsistent because there are many... The whole point of this uh, competition is that there are fairy tale stories. There are going to be sides that aren't in the Premier League that will make it through. But another thing with VAR as well that I have an issue with is, is uh, in the United game, the... Um, the uh, What's it called?
2: Lindelof is sent off. Is that the one? No, oh, right.
0: um, it, it was somebody turned their back on the. I forgot who it was that he turned his back on. To the
2: Kimbenpe in the PSG game?
0: Yeah, that's a PSG game. But then the, Johnny, Johnny turned his back on the goal. His it was arm actually, was next to his. Yeah, yeah his arm was. To be honest, it wasn't. It wasn't like so close to his body. That is a clear penalty according to the VAR rules that are, are exercised in Champions League football in Europe. That's a clear rule. If wasn't his arm not,
2: slightly more in though. Because In the Wolves one, it was, he was actually in and it hit him in the centre of his body whereas Kimbembe was just slightly outside and his elbows were out. Wasn't
0: one his hands like
1: this? Some excellent mind. Yeah,
2: This oh,
0: it does <laughs> not work on a
1: podcast.
2: Kimbembe yes. was doing like chicken wings with his two his el- you, you know You still doing your out. back. That's negligent like like defending. Here. JJ yes. Bull
1: makes like the arms of a chicken.
2: Yes. <laughs> and the head of a chicken. And he, uh, the ball comes off his elbow, his left elbow, his right elbow. His right elbow he's turned round. But I think the Wolves one, because he puts his hands up, they're up, but they're in his body. So you can't move them away.
0: (laughs) But what is the first thing that you're taught as a defenders? You never turn your back on the ball, right?
2: I mean, there's lots of things I have forgotten while playing football.
0: But that's, for me, if you're going to punish, if you're going to be a side that punishes Kimbembe, and then you're trying to teach your team going forward to avoid these types of problems in Europe going forward, then you have to keep them all one like all the rules one so that, you know, going, so, you know, I know what to teach my, my, future defenders, you know, if I'm saying Luke Shaw, yeah, you can do that in a FA Cup game, but you can't do that in a a Champions League game, then it's going to really confuse him. You need to have a standardised solution to all of this, where the same rules that are applied in Europe and beyond are also applied in domestic football, so that it becomes easier to teach defenders and attackers what to do and what the rules are. And I just don't think it's that clear. If
3: if you can't, though, just going back to my original point, I, I do think if you cannot implement VAR in all stadiums for a competition then you just can't have VAR yeah. in it
1: good time at Millwall though despite all of the VAR controversy
3: yeah yeah I've, I've enjoyed going to Millwall in, in the cup I've, I've followed them for three games in the cup I'm slightly sad they're out it was a really good atmosphere yesterday everyone was a bit worried that there, there might be um, some abusive chanting towards the Brighton fans but there's nothing I heard it was just a really really great atmosphere Brighton could have had three decisions on VAR had they have gone out. I think that would be a really big issue today. But uh, it was great drama. I feel sorry for for the uh, the Millwall goalkeeper. Oh
1: goodness, the the sadness in his eyes at what he'd done, flapping at that equaliser. It was an
3: overhit cross. I mean, it was it was a terrible free kick. Houghton said afterwards that he's furious when he saw the free kicks. It's an absolutely abysmal free kick. And then yeah, hits the back of the net and that's that. Has he claimed he meant it yet? Apparently not. Apparently he said he's pretty honest mm-hmm. and wasn't claiming he meant it.
1: You'll never see a better definition of the word "flap" from a goalkeeper <laughs> than what the keeper did there. Watford and Brighton, as mentioned, are the other semi-finalists. They face Wolves and City, respectively. Much hope for either of those, or do we think we're going to have the, the final people are expecting I think Watford be will beat Wolves. City. Watford oh. beat Wolves
3: in the league, didn't they? Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure Watford beat Wolves in the league. I think Watford are well set up for Wolves, because Wolves can't just do their sort of counter-attack thing against Watford quite so effectively and Watford are an effective sort of nasty team to have to play against I I think that will be really tight and I actually can see Watford going through which will upset lots of non-Watford fans I'd imagine and
2: no, I agree with that, I also think on that note I think Wolves might struggle next season as teams are a bit more scared of them and set up in a different way and so they have to then adjust to being the people with the ball more of the time but they yeah. don't really have the players to break that down
0: that yeah, style of play can only work for one season before you get pounded out.
2: Exactly, yeah. yeah.
1: That's where Nuno comes in and his reinvention magic has worked. Let's move on to the Premier League. We had a weird mash-up weekend, a bit of FA Cup, a bit of Premier League. Liverpool just about squeaking past Fulham on Sunday. Uh, Mane looking excellent for Liverpool, absolutely the main man at the moment. Do we think, Mina, he's uh, now a good for Player of the Year in the Premier League, perhaps?
0: Um... <laughs> I can't so think. I'm trying to think of somebody who's, you know. Um, well,
1: Van Dyke is probably my favourite in the betting, isn't this he? This is what
0: it is, and then then you think of the likes of Aguero as well. But I think that Mane, for me, has always been my favourite Liverpool player. um I, I thought that last season when I watched how he adapted his game to make way for Firmino and Salah and, and for Salah to have that great season, I thought that Mane had to adapt a lot on a tactical level to make sure that that guy could could enjoy the spotlight and, and he was the one who was more of a facilitator. And I think now that he's... he And he's always been somebody who loves pressure. And I think that's an extraordinary thing to have in a player. When there is a big match and it was like the final, I thought Mane was the one who was always in the Champions League final trying to make himself... There, trying to make an impact, trying to run into the right places, trying to be dangerous. And he's somebody who thrives on the pressure of the situation. He always wants to lead the team forward if he thinks that they're not playing to their their level. He's a different type of of player. And it's interesting because in Spain, there were lots of rumors about how many players, you know, Madrid were going to go for a Liverpool squad because, you know, they like so many of them. But the one that kept coming back was Mane because Sudan really appreciated him. He really appreciated his intelligence, his tactical versatility. Yes, the guy can squander some great opportunities as well. But I think he's somebody who really understands how to play his role in a team, be a team player, and make the difference when it's a big match, when the pressure is on. And right now, with Liverpool and all their nerves and trying to win, you know, trying to win this title, he's the main guy driving them forward, and I think that makes a difference.
1: Everton saw off Chelsea on Sunday. Sarri now. Are we just assuming he's going to be off in the summer, Matt? And uh, will Chelsea already be looking at new managers? How does that process any work? any left?
3: <laughs> Chelsea will definitely be looking around and, and thinking. I think whether... How does
1: that, how does that work in practice? Are they, are they just sort of sounding out agents?
3: Yeah, pretty much. And agents will be sounding out them more. moreover. A lot of agents will be going into them at the moment assuming there's going to be a change. Look, if they can find the right person, I think they probably will change. Um... But I think that search for the right person is probably harder than ever at the moment. So much uncertainty um, with a transfer ban. No one's really sure what's happening with Roman. Eden Hazard's going to go. They might not be in the Champions League, which they don't really know yet. So that, there's so many variables that it makes it very hard for them to pinpoint someone who they know would definitely take it. Um, which
0: which what, guy worth his salt would take that job? Right now, considering the fact that there could be a ban, considering the fact that Hazard might go,
3: I, I agree with you. It's it's not. It's an attractive proposition, I'm sure, from a wages point of view, and for a guy, I felt with Sari, and I felt this a little bit with Conte, that these were two guys who actually came in and didn't really care whether they got sacked now if there's another guy out there who's looking for a big payday and actually doesn't mind whether you get sacked because getting sacked by Chelsea now I don't think kills your career whatsoever mm-hmm. people just think Chelsea's a basket case club if you get sacked you get sacked Sari could probably have his pick of Italian jobs Conte at some point when he decides to work again will will have a big job it's not a career killer Brendan Rodgers once famously said when he was Fonzie manager why would I want to go and manage Chelsea and kill my career before it started that's not really not the case so there are there might be people out there who just think, well, for two years, I'll go and have a go. And, you know, if the worst happens, the worst happens. Who cares?
2: I can see Rodgers being a lifelong Chelsea fan when he gets offered it as well.
3: No, there's no way Rodgers will get offered that job after what he said.
2: What's the no um, what's the thing with Abramovic just now? Is, he, is there talk that he might actually...
3: There's Could lots he... of rumours. I don't think so. I think he'd definitely sell a stake in the club to get the stadium back on, on board. But I don't think he's going anywhere. Um... But nobody really knows, and this is the problem. And people talk about Frank Lampard going in, but I mean, I think Derby are seventh or eighth in the championship at the moment yeah, on a fairly a traditional Derby thing, a fairly dodgy run. So season. that would be a huge gamble. But I mean, it's the same. Every time they lose or every time they slip up, it's just the same old thing. We're sorry, and he says the same old thing afterwards. Oh, I do
0: feel sorry for him, though. Why? I mean, look, he's never been my favourite manager. I, you know, how I feel about philosophers anyway, um, but. I do feel that there's a lot about this team that just doesn't even try for him. Um, just from the movement for example like how if Higuain pulls left or pulls right or tries to, I mean, the whole point of Higuain is that he's he's more of a striker that tends to help the team and elevate the play in the final third he's not somebody who's a poacher who sits in the box you know so when you see him moving around like where's the rest of the team trying to you know take advantage of the spaces that he leaves behind or trying to run into the box and create something and they're all just sitting there they're watching Marcus Alonso run on the wing thinking yeah he probably won't get a great accurate cross in so let's not bother running into that box and trying to do something. It's just such a... Lazy side, um, and they play for forty-five minutes or they don't. And 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 by the way, I'm not saying Higuain he can be lazy too as well. You know, he wasn't probably the right choice because he was the right choice when he was with Sadi at Napoli. But Juve made him a different player, and what he's arrived as now is somebody who doesn't really fit into the squad because they need more of a, a somebody who's going to be a reference point and stands in between the two centre backs. But I find the whole movement. This is not sadi ball at all. And I just don't think that, every, that there's no way that this guy is trying to communicate and no one's taking any instructions on board. So everyone's just doing what they think they know how to do and as best as they can do it. And then that's But he still just them them picks
3: them every week. This is what Chelsea fans get so annoyed they with about They don't like
1: Alonso, him. do they? They seem to be. They don't like Alonso, him.
3: but I, I agree on every single point on your players. But then Sari just picks the same players every week.
0: But do you think he'll be in trouble if he doesn't pick these players? And who's he going to go for? Giroud?
3: But what what does it matter if he is in trouble? Because he's probably going to get sacked anyway. Or they'll certainly look to replace him anyway. So why not get in trouble? I, I find it weird as well. You know, he comes out after the weekend and defends Higuain by saying he was ill at the start of the week. He wasn't that fit. It's a shame for him. Well, the other strikers just scored a hat-trick. I know it's against a pub team in Europe. But if there's ever... there's a Chance to just keep him on his run and keep the momentum going, and keep if there's a doubt on Higuain's fitness, keep Giroud in. Do something different. Put Hudson Odoi in. Put Loftus Cheek in. Why
0: do something different. Just
3: do or say something different. Even if it doesn't work,
1: it would at least make it more interesting. It's yeah. not. It's not a happy place to be at the moment, is it? Tell me, please, about the exciting game in London on Saturday. West Ham beating Huddersfield four three. Is there anything to be learnt from a game like this, or was it just one of those odd kind of throw-it-out games?
3: No, no, there is not. It was a mental game. It was an absolute mental game. West Ham defending was appalling.
0: Their mentality can be so appalling at times.
3: Yeah, and also, actually, there was something I learned from the game. Sorry. Um, West Ham got a lot better when Arnautovic went off, and I feel that it highlighted a little issue there that we probably all knew about but couldn't be certain about that the rest of the squad and the team might not be that enamoured by Mr Arnaltovich because the whole mentality of them seemed to to change when he he went off and I'm not sure we'll see a lot of him... Yeah, Hernandez is a really weird player for West Ham he,
1: is it 52 goals he scored in the Premier League, that really surprises
3: yeah. me 90% of the time Hernandez has been awful for West Ham but he's actually scored some really good important goals for them at, at vital times but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Onatovic start much once the international break and that this is gradually just winding towards the end of his West Ham career now um, how did Huddersfield not win it though in that, that chance that was put over the bar right at the end just before West Ham did win it?
0: You see this is It I,
3: was so such a lazy finish. It's the laziest volleyed finish over the bar ever. It looked like it was just a training regime where he knew he was offside or something the way he just plonked it over the bar.
0: It's a, it's amazing with Huddersfield because it's, they are such a bad team. On, on certain occasions. And then there's so much hope that they can also provide you in a match. You know, they've what scored three goals there. They've, they've managed, what, 15 all season in general. Um, they can be so strange, but they had really planned for this game. They had really come out with like, a clear strategy on how they were going to try to defeat West Ham and really looked at the weaknesses that they can do. And then they just leave Hernandez completely unmarked. And it, it's, it, it must be really hard to be their coach at the moment because you just looked at... Uh, I don't know how
3: to say it. Stewart. is it, it
0: Stuart? yeah. And he just looks so disappointed with himself because he was just like, we really planned for this, we did so well. You know, we went up 3-1. And it's just like basics. They don't do the basics, the fundamentals at the back, or when they're off the ball in a crazy way but actually as a team I think they're they're good which is why I was getting so angry with them and Sam Dean was laughing so much in one of the podcasts that we did It you makes know? sense
1: Mina they're your team you're speaking like a true I, I fan I really feel like
0: I've become one now yeah. I've become a Will fan Will you support
1: them in the championship? Yeah I'm going to look forward to Mina's interest in <laughs> championship <laughs> football next That's season. it, and Stuart Don't as well because so. <laughs> he's got his
2: chance to manage in the Premier League and Hugh might be regretting that he's taken it now even though it was you know you had the opportunity you've got to take it but with a team that was never ever going to challenge anyone you know. It's very hard because I think the job Wagner was doing was, was incredible. I saw them play against Arsenal earlier in the season. I thought they were looked really well organised and well drilled and they looked OK. But the players just clearly weren't quite good enough. They've got a couple of good guys in there. Uh, I think Philip Billing's a very good player. And they've got the young guy that came off the bench against West Ham that I have since read. Um, what's his name? C- uh, Carol Grant, what does he say his first name? Colin. Carlin. Carlin Grant's Three goals and three appearances. It was one sub and two starts. That's good. He's only 21.
0: But I, I think it's they're better than the Fulham. Fulham just has more quality in the likes that they have, obviously, Scherl and they have Mitrovic and they have actual quality players. In but final Huddersfield, third, yeah. as a team, you know, the way that they try, like, I think that they can be taught to do better is my point, you know, or if they just introduce more quality into that side, I think they are a better team. When I watch Fulham, I'm just like, this is a disaster, you know, I don't feel that way when I watch Huddersfield. I we're don't bit, know why. I thought
1: Fulham were a bit better on Sunday against Liverpool but
0: uh... yeah, but Fulham don't do the basics. You know, like honestly you're going to be a really tight and compact against Liverpool. Like when they when you know they're very strong on the wings or you're going to play Chelsea and not mark out Jorginho like every other team does. But to be fair they did change their tactics and they did I just really feel well.
3: didn't mark out Jorginho.
0: Hmm?
1: I just feel didn't mark out Jorginho.
3: A lot of teams have
2: stopped doing it now. Yeah.
1: It's fallen out of fashion. Well, about Newcastle United? Rafa Benitez says they're one win away from safety. Now they've been on an excellent run recently. What do we think that's down to the genius of Rafa or some Rondon? Rondon, yeah, good I shout. Think
0: so. The new shooter, yeah, and the way that, that he's just no longer isolated. They offer him all, you know, they offer him support. They're more uh, more courageous now going forward, and he just he's a really really good player.
2: Also, the mentality that Benitez has put into the players, he's got it dead right. I think he's got exactly the same record this season as last. Same numbers, wins, draws and losses, the same number of games. Uh, But the goals against Bournemouth, 45 minutes plus five and 90 plus four. That's what you need. Lovely
1: goal from Richie as well to win it. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Do you know Ryan Fraser has the most assists in the Premier League? Really? After that game, yeah, he's got nine. But uh, I was thinking that he plays kind of on the left for Bournemouth and he can play as a wing-back as well. But he's right-footed. And can play on the wing, he would suit Man United really well if they were to put him on the right hand side, if they kept playing that 442 shape.
1: Don't give them ideas, JJ. We like Bournemouth just as they yeah. are.
2: You're listening to
1: the Telegraph Audio Football Club, part of the Telegraph Podcasting Network. To find more of our
2: podcasts, just go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash podcasts.
1: Let's move down a tier now into the championship. Huge result for Sheffield United on Saturday, Matt beating ten man Leeds. Are Leeds bottling it, Hopefully. throwing it away. Hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> you don't want Leeds back in the top floor. No. Why? Don't like Leeds.
0: Oh, I thought you just don't like Bielsa.
3: I don't like Bielsa either. Oh, right. And he's Leeds manager. It would be brilliant if they bottle it. be (laughs) absolutely brilliant. I would love it. Sorry, people of Leeds, you all hate me.
1: (laughs) Norwich have been absolutely relentless in the league.
3: They've been amazing. Norwich's story is incredible. They sell James Madison in the summer, clearly their best player. Um, They didn't have a great season with him in the side last last summer. Lots of Norwich fans, and I do know some, um, actually tipped Norwich for relegation this season. Uh, they put a lot of kids in who were unproven, um, two of which are the fullbacks who have been sensational. And they've been absolutely fantastic and they just keep going. And I think they're, they don't play like them at all, but they're like them in terms of expectation in that last season, everyone kept just thinking Cardiff would eventually just fall to pieces and not be able to keep it going. Everybody in the championship's been waiting for Norwich to fall to pieces and they've had the odd little slip and kept coming back and kept coming back. And now I think they're five points clear and they're going to do it. And it's a, real, it's a real lesson for a lot of clubs who give up when they have to sell their best players or don't come up with imaginative plans when they can't spend the money or the budgets of the other clubs because Norwich's budget is a lot less than a lot of clubs down there. And it's just... Really, really good work from everyone yeah, at Norwich. There's a
1: few of those in the Championship this year. Preston is the really interesting one to me because they're, they're having to do it right. They're doing it without any parachute payments. They don't have big backing. They're on a hell of a uh, run, Preston I mean, are. They're a horrible team. It's yeah. very cynical to watch Preston, but they're kind of in contention for the playoffs. Yeah, playoff... I should
3: just say as well on Norwich, their they're, um, they're sort of director of football, Stuart Webber, was the guy who masterminded Huddersfield's promotion. He appointed Wagner... Lots of people laughed when he then left Huddersfield for Norwich and appointed Farker, and everyone just thought he's doing the exact same thing he did at Huddersfield. Whether he's doing the exact same thing or not, I'm not quite sure, but it's worked. And it, for him to mastermind a Huddersfield promotion and a Norwich promotion is pretty incredible.
2: They've sang quite well, Norwich as well. I think they've got some decent ones in. Kenny McLean's come back from injury just this last part of the season now, and he's been a big difference. You all know this.
3: Pookie was rubbish in Scotland, right?
2: Um, I don't remember him that well, so probably yes.
3: Yeah. I just can't get my head around how well he's doing and how he doesn't seem to have ever been good before now. <laughs> I might not know enough about him. He might have been Scotland's good Scotland's a tough league, you know. <laughs> it's not, changing. Like it Scott Sinclair is the best player in Scotland. No, he's, he's
2: not. He's medium. <laughs> he's oh.
0: medium. I think that what Webber's doing, perhaps differently to other sporting directors, is that he's cast his net wide and he's looking at places that others don't in the sense that I thought Bournemouth did that really well as well at the time when they had their sporting director when they were trying to get back into the Premier League and they were looking, you know, they were looking at talent in Scandinavia. They were looking at talent in the German lower leagues. Um, and they weren't in any rush to move forward. They wanted to create a side that was genuinely well-prepared to fight and stay up if they do make it up. And I think that it's about planning and it's about having that a good European number of contacts that you can rely on to introduce you to upcoming talent
1: perhaps someone like that is needed at Oldham Athletic who uh, parted with Paul Scholes after just 31 days. (laughs) I want to know why he took this job. It's known that Oldham's owners aren't uh, the easiest to work with and he he didn't really ever seem like someone who wanted to work as a manager, did he? No.
3: it, It is very bizarre. It's highly predictable what has played out and also very bizarre. Part of me wonders, and this is complete speculation, whether there's a sort of another chapter of this to come whereby Paul Scholes knows of someone who might take over Oldham and then he can go back in as manager. Um, Because it just seems so random for him to agree to do it with an owner who everyone knows medals and is a nightmare. If only Paul
2: Scholes knew some people with some money. Well,
3: exactly. And then him quit for that exact reason. Um, Utterly bizarre.
0: Do you think it's the sort of, I never got why Neville accepted the Valencia job? I mean, why would you? It's just- a huge
2: opportunity. i have got to take that, don't you? No. I, you take if- it if you offered it.
0: If, no way. Do you know Valencia has got one of the hardest fan group? They will kill you if you don't win. And they will kill you if you don't do something properly. And you're a guy who didn't try to integrate into the Spanish culture and moved, really didn't understand it, it like, a how house Valencia works. He did try. It's not Sevilla. It's not a nice club in many ways. It's a very demanding club. So I just thought it was a strange decision when you knew at the time they were going through all this turmoil with their management and, and everything was changing, you know, board directors were going in and out at the time why accept that job
1: after the excitement of the Nations League we're back in the far more familiar uh, campaign of European qualification for next year's European championships England have Czech Republic and Montenegro is that correct? correct
3: Czech Republic at home on Friday and Montenegro in Podgorica next Monday six points Oh, yes, it should be, yeah. Montenegro, last time we've played Montenegro, which is going on for kind of six, seven years ago, they were quite difficult, actually. They were in a really good moment, as managers say, um, but I'm told they are not anymore and that we should wipe the floor with them. <laughs> they are no longer in a <laughs> good
2: moment. like the James Ward-Prowse got called up.
3: Yeah, I was surprised he wasn't in the squad originally, actually. Um
2: Wambasaka
1: seemed a weird uh, omission as well.
3: Yeah, Southgate at the moment is taking a view because I would argue that Kieran Trippier has done really very little to be in that squad in terms of what he's done for Tottenham. But Southgate is still taking a view that the players who did so well from at the World Cup uh, deserve, if they've done nothing wrong for him, deserve to continue at the moment. I don't know how long you can keep that going. I thought after the Nations League and before these qualifies that would be the break off point for that that sort of world cup form would now be forgotten almost but not yet and trippier's definitely got him on the back of what he did at the world cup rather than anything else
2: crosby do with age and experience because you've got alexander arnold should be first choice right back now and if he plays with wing backs again but if you have trippier who's a bit older that means you've got a nice balance in the squad and you make sure you're not disrupting the the harmony that you've created um, too early and wan Basaka's young and he'd be new so then you'd remove Trippier He might be a good part of the dressing room might be a good part of the squad but what Southgate
3: round. does like doing and he's done it in reverse a couple of times but he likes the players to play through the age groups a little bit loves the pathway yeah and so it very much fits his philosophy for wan to spend a bit of time with the under-21s before he moves up
0: but if you're going to experiment isn't uh, isn't this the right time to do it
3: Yeah, I agree. Like I say, I I was a bit surprised. I I thought there would be a bit more experimentation and a little bit more of a move away from what happened at the World Cup. Um, It's hard to criticise beforehand though, isn't it? And I'm always, I'm torn on this because I I argued very much with Theo Walcott and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain that they were just over promoted, over hyped and sort of put forward way too soon. They should have been given way more time in the under 21s to benefit them. So I can't really argue that and then criticise the fact that Wan-Bissaka has been quite yeah. in the under-21s.
1: Since we last spoke, we had some Champions League fun and the draw for the quarter-finals. Manchester United looks like the game of the round against Barcelona. Do you think Solskjaer can do it? Mina, will United get past Barca? Oh,
0: <laughs> I don't know. Um, Barcelona, for me, are the favourites for this competition because, if anything, they're the ones who actually have the prestige of winning it several times and, obviously, they have the best player in the world and Lionel Messi. Listen, you never know, because defensively they're vulnerable and they can be even, you know, they can be very well attacked. And, and it's interesting because when I saw them against Real Madrid, and this is a poor Real Madrid, there were many, many times had Real been better at finishing that they could have definitely won certain matches 3-0. Um, so I'm a little bit shocked by them. I think that Manchester will certainly give them a challenge. Um but I'd say
2: United. You should say.
0: Sorry, I should say that United will give them a challenge. But I, I, it's just messy, right? Messi makes the difference. Mm,
1: he had a decent weekend, which we will come on to later. Liverpool with the draw, of unwanted against Porto, are we assuming they're going to get into the semis off the back of that?
2: I mean, you think so? Just because it, it's very um, presumptuous to assume that. Oh, it's Porto. Liverpool should beat them. But Liverpool are really good. Porto have some quite good players there's a few ones that stand out they're quite a young team as well
0: Moussa is fantastic
2: yeah yeah Marega is a good player um, I would think Liverpool should be able to get through that but it's one of those that could be quite tricky because you assume they're going to be easy often players maybe drop their standards a little bit yeah. And they have less pressure because they're not expected to do well. So that benefits Porto as well.
0: Also, they're a team that just doesn't seem to tire on a physical level. They just keep going. I, and I find that quite interesting to watch them. Uh, just you, You'll notice when they played Roma, Roma were just dead by the end of it. And Porto was still going on and on. And and having said that, though, they scraped through that tie. And Roma's really bad. So,
1: Man City have Spurs, uh, meaning they will play sort of, three times in 11 days in April. Two Champions League games, one in the league. That's never a recipe for good football matches, Yeah, it, I
3: mean, that, that could actually help Spurs a little bit because sometimes when they start playing each other very regularly, it just kind of evens it up and it becomes a bit more scrappy and everyone becomes a little bit trying to get into each other's heads and finding it hard to do something of a surprise. So that might help Tottenham, but I would definitely <laughs> make Manchester City favourites. I, I was gutted from a selfish point of view that my next European trip involves going to Manchester. I love Manchester, but I had my eyes on something maybe more sunny for April.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Spurs, is, Spurs will be playing that game at the new stadium as well, won't they? In theory. In they will. I'm
3: I'm amazed that none of the other top Premier League teams and European teams are having a real old moan about this because Spurs are in need of an artificial boost um, at the moment and they're about to get one. And if I was a top four rival or Manchester City in the Champions League, I wouldn't necessarily be that happy that they're getting an artificial boost at an extremely important point of the season. It could
1: go the other way, though, couldn't it? You could argue that they're going to be as unfamiliar with that stadium as the visitors But
3: feel. the situation they're coming into it in is that they need the boost. If they were coming into it having won lots of games, I'd be more fearful for them that the stadium could impact them the other way. But I think they're going to have the chance now of using that stadium as a way of enlivening their season a little
0: bit Pochettino has to take this chance to really prove himself
1: Mm -hmm. The final tie is all faded European glamour Mina Juve facing Ajax How do Juve Mm. feel about that?
0: Uh, let's see. You see the Porto Ajax that we wanted, and, and I think that we're a little bit thrilled with this. Having said that, we saw what they did to Real Madrid. We're quite confident in the sense that there is Ronaldo, and that if we managed a three-nil victory over Atletico Madrid, then it's sort of in the bag, right? But we we don't. Want, you shouldn't be overconfident because there is that kind of Liverpool feeling that people think that if you if you do you are playing a side that's not superior in quality, there is a chance of dropping your heads, and no one does that better than you.
2: Maybe. Ajax are a really good team, like just because they're young. They are, I don't think so. Do you really don't think so? No, nope. they're they a team they that were great.
0: defeated six 0 by Feyenoord. Do no. you sound <laughs> um, overconfident? You they're sound not exactly even exactly
3: what you should said. You shouldn't sound.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to look like I'm just trashing them because you know they, they play one way in Europe and they play a different way. They I thought it was very interesting. They went with Tadic in the Champions League. Generally, they play with a striker when they're playing um, in in you know in, in domestic football. The thing with me is, is that they were very much, they were much better in the first leg too, and Real Madrid just was proved more efficient, and I think that's their undoing. They're still a young side, and so if you just have one or two chances against them, it's almost enough.
3: So, what happens with Allegri now? Because after the first leg, everyone just assumed Allegri is u- leaving Juventus.
0: Yeah, welcome to Italy. This is what happens. <laughs> Do you still <laughs> think he'll
3: probably leave Juventus, or is it all riding on the Champions League?
0: I think that it was it was supposed to be clear that he was going to leave Juventus because it was going to be Zinedine Zidane who came. Um, and I think that's where Zidane wanted to be. He wanted to be at Juve after Real Madrid. I think ever since he's decided to take the challenge on and to rebuild this Madrid side and been given all this control over them now, that obviously that leaves Juve without a great option to go to. So if they're not going to have Zinedine Zidane, then they don't really want anyone else. So they will stick with Allegri. They've always loved Allegri. It's about... Um, whether or not he cannot be a coward in certain situations. He can sort of fall into the trap of being cowardly in his, in his European game, um, games. And the other problem is that if they do win it, there'll be a sense where he'll just want to leave then because he'll be like, look, I've done everything you've asked of me now. I want a new challenge. I want to do something special. I don't know where he'll go. But it's about whether or not he also wants to continue this journey because despite winning everything with his team except the Champions League, he's still criticised on a daily basis. Basis. it's non-stop horribleness towards him once
1: again we've segued seamlessly into a song for europe uh, very well done everyone uh, <laughs> we spoke about zidane mina he's of course back at real madrid what's the reaction been like to that in spain and his jeans?
0: joy <laughs> yeah everyone talks about these jeans. i don't think it was that weird
3: worst turnips ever
0: do you think so i yeah. didn't yes. know whether yeah in the, initially i didn't know whether it was the design or whether he had just done that to be very cool. I did like his trainers, though. But anyway, um, joy, massive relief. Uh, I think Isco went out partying all night when he realised that he would <laughs> no longer have to be under Solari's management. I think Gareth Bale started shaking in in his boots. He was thinking, "Oh, I, I totally had this team, you know, under my you know thumb, and now Zidane's going to come and kick me out," you know. Um, you scored, didn't you? He? He scored at the weekend. But, yeah, I thought Z- Zidane spoke really well. He said, listen, you know, like everyone has a chance to prove themselves and I'm relying on Bale because he's an extraordinary, pray- extraordinary player, so let me see what he can do. But he's saying all the right things because he has sort of three months to just play around with this team before he has to really build one too. Courtois,
3: what happens with Courtois?
0: Well, this is the thing. Zidane so said this from the start to Perez. He said to him, I don't want it's another goalkeeper. Quarter. I want you to spend the money on something else because he loves Kane or Navas. He loves his effect on the dressing room. He loved Kiko Casilla, who was you know, one of Marcelo's best friends. He likes dressing room harmony. And he didn't want to introduce another person into that. Um, and he sort of showed the fact that he's still faithful to to Navas and and then he sort of benched Courtois. Obviously he's gonna be played and obviously he's gonna have a chance. He's just gonna experiment now for the next few minutes. Courtois will become that.
3: a real problem for him if he doesn't play doesn't him. Because Courtois is a nightmare in the dressing room. I know that for an absolute fact.
0: This is the thing, if you just gave Zidane control, there would have been none of the problems that they've had so far. You know, I don't
3: think you can keep Courtois as a goalkeeper who's going to be a number
1: two or rotation
3: keeper because he will cause too many problems.
0: Well, then he's out because this isn't any other club. This is Real Madrid.
1: Lots of people in England talking about Lionel Messi on Monday morning. Clearly raised his game knowing he was going to be on terrestrial TV <laughs> in England uh, <laughs> scoring a hat-trick. How good was this or is this just a sort of absolute textbook Messi at this point?
0: yes there was a there was this wonderful poll on on spanish t v or i don 't remember where on, but it was what 's better you know like winning a million pound in cash or watching Lionel Messi for the rest of your life and I was like come on it 's got to be the million right <laughs> guess, and, you know. <laughs> um but he is he is so fantastic Real Betis, I mean their fans actually started to applaud him because there 's only so much that you can do and and how brilliant you can be, but whether it 's his free kicks or the toe poke finish you know there 's It just seems to be that he's above and beyond. But I think this is why the Champions League sort of... I'm interested to see what happens because it's a bit like Ronaldo raised his game against Atletico and then he thought, wait, wait, hold on a second. I'm going to come back and do something special for Barcelona against Leon."
1: Hold my energy drink.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it'd be interesting because I think they miss each other and they rely on each other to continue being good and and better.
3: As an English podcast, I probably shouldn't hope for this, but a juve barca ronaldo messi final... Would just be the best thing ever.
0: I know that's what actually one of the <laughs> Italian papers was just saying. Look, we all like Liverpool and City, but come on, it needs yeah, to be Barcelona. We get to and watch and them Juve. in the Premier League all the time.
3: <laughs> Barcelona, Juve final for me.
1: Let's finish with Crystal Palace, who consoled themselves on Twitter after their defeat to Watford, claiming that they inverted commas bossed the atmosphere. I would like to know team what is the best atmosphere you've ever witnessed live at a football match we had some responses from our friends on twitter michael said the immense noise from watford fc supporters when we went up 2 one over crystal palace or at the final whistle well done michael some revenge there carol says another watford submission watford versus arsenal in the fa cup quarterfinals at the emirates in 2016 it was absolutely joyful i'm sure we all remember that one and mike says I've been watching football since 1956 and I'd need ages to think through that length of time. So I'll settle on the Battle of Stamford Bridge when Hazard's equaliser handed Leicester the Premier League. Mina, what have you got?
0: I was actually in in Chelsea Stadium when I was in Stamford Bridge watching that and uh, just watching how all of a sudden they turned it on in a terrible season against Spurs just to get that win and the crowd was insane. Usually I would have gone for a UVA game obviously because they always have such great European nights but that was one of the best atmospheres I've ever had. Otherwise, it was the Bernabeu when they were facing, um, Real Madrid was facing Borussia Dortmund in the second leg. And it was Klopp's team at the time and he had Lewandowski. And the whole crowd was just singing Si Se Puede, Yes We Can, based on Barack Obama. And they thought, you know, we can overturn this. We just need a 3-0, but they only managed to in the end.
2: Um, mine's slightly less glamorous than that. <laughs> <laughs> God, Bernabeu. Bernabeu. Um, <laughs> Aberdeen versus Rangers, anytime those teams play, is uh, very hostile and really fun. Um, but the League Cup final, because Aberdeen hadn't won a trophy for about 20-something years and would beat Cali Thistle penalties. And it, it's it's kind of like Spurs are at the moment. They just can't get over that final push. So we get to so many finals and semi-finals and we never, ever win. And uh, winning that in the, the final in 2014 was unbelievable. There's another thing that I noticed when I saw Lionel Messi play for the first time. I saw him play for Croatia against Argentina. Uh, he's before Argentina against Croatia uh, at West Ham's Upton Park, weirdly. And every time Messi gets the ball, you feel this kind of uh, electricity in the crowd. You, feel, you know, there's a vibrancy about it, and you feel it in the crowd. And it was again when I saw him play at the the camp. Now it was, uh, that was a that's amazing as well. It's something you can't really expect or describe. Matt, you've had some thinking time. Yeah,
3: JJ's made me remember the last ever game at Upton Park I did against Man United. Oh, that was exciting. And that the atmosphere there, the old Upton Park, was amazing it was a brilliant brilliant atmosphere it's such a tight old-fashioned ground very hard to get away from though very hard to get away from and <laughs> uh, not always safe to get away from <laughs> um, but that kind of helped with the magic of the place but that atmosphere that night was was pretty special uh, I always find with atmospheres I always have to be biased I mean Villa League uh, Cup final Coca-Cola Cup when we beat Man United they were going for a treble which was very fun to ruin before it really started for them and also a semi-final of the same competition we were 3-1 down to Tranmere from the first leg and went through and Villa Park just went mad and erupted for beating Tranmere Rovers <laughs>
1: That's your lot for this week. Don't forget, you can contact me on Twitter if you would like to in the seven days in which we have to wait for the next instalment of Audio Football Club. My name on Twitter is my name in real life. It's at Tom with an H Gibbs. I must stress, in real life, there is no at sign. Don't forget, you can contact the podcast as well. It's afcpodcast at telegraph.co.uk. We will read out the best of what you send us. Don't forget to subscribe. Look for Telegraph Audio Football Club on the internet. Take it from there. Absolutely backing you. I've seen you with a phone. You're very, very competent indeed. Thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons and thanks to you for your company I'll talk to you again soon